MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, April 5th, 2020. Today, Sanders and Obama endorse Joe Biden. The Virginia governor makes Election Day a state holiday and expands early voting. A hydroxychloroquine study is halted and the CIA warns against using the drug. The coronavirus is showing signs of reactivation in patients that already had it. The Trump family files an appeal to a federal ruling in one of their thousands of lawsuits. Trump forms the Council to Reopen America. The Chiron folks at CNN have zero fucks to give. Liberty University students file a class action suit. A new study shows we could be social distancing for a long time to come. And a sailor from the USS Roosevelt has died of COVID-19. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. That was a long intro. There's a lot of news. I was going to say, holy fucking shit. That is a lot. Did you cover any of that yesterday? No, we briefly mentioned that there was some other news from yesterday that we were going to hang back until you were back to talk about. So uh, we didn't. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> I'm sure everybody knows already. Anyhow, <laughs> but thanks for covering for me yesterday. I appreciate it. Of course. Are you feeling good? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Feeling good today. So um, we have a lot of news to get to, but also I just wanted to let everybody know this Friday we're having another cocktail happy hour meet and greet question and answer sesh. Um, and that's at 4 p.m. Pacific time on Friday. And we will mail out the link to our p- patrons. Um, we'll send that link out to patrons usually around midday Friday. You'll get it. Um, and you can join and have fun. I don't know what the theme is this week yet, though. Me neither. I saw something about Disney floating around. Yeah, I saw a Disney one, too. Um, I don't think I have any Disney-themed things. Yeah, uh, I hate to admit that I have a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I got ears. I got artisan jackets. (laughs) Oh, nice. Maybe that'll be it. I don't know. We'll think on it. We'll have the theme for you by tomorrow. Yeah. You uh, You could dress up as... Walt Disney, maybe. <laughs> you could sleek your hair back like Draco Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> I could just wear some of my normal clothes and be the lady from that darn cat. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, we do have, like I, you've heard that intro block. We have a ton of news. So uh, let's kick it off with the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So today states, and this is sort of like yesterday and today news, states are uniting and forming coalitions to reopen their economies together based on science and metrics as Trump continues to push for an early and frankly authoritarian reopening of the economy. Um, the White House has assembled. Uh, <laughs> this is so funny. I, I'm sure everyone saw this going going around social media yesterday, but the White House has assembled a Council to Reopen America panel or C.R.A.P. <laughs> that includes <laughs> that includes Jared Ivanka, Mark Meadows, Steve Mnuchin, Larry Kudlow, Lighthizer, and Wilbur Ross. Um, God, th- that is just a just a group of of idiots. And you know, I posted that yesterday on Facebook, and I was like, "Look, it's the Council to Reopen America panel, or crap." And I didn't like people didn't i didn't get as many likes or like comments as i usually do as it turns out people thought i was joking oh yeah people people thought i made it up and they're like that's a heck joke i'm not giving her this like (laughs) exactly because it wasn't a funny joke i thought it was fun when i thought i didn't know i didn't think it was real either when i first scrolled by it actually this is news to me (laughs) It's, I mean, it wasn't a it wasn't a great joke, wasn't a terrible joke, but I mean, but it but it's it's not a joke, right? Right, <laughs> right. That's the real panel. That's the real crap. Um, but so they're the ones. But no, I think it's the governors and the governors of like New York and California and uh, two of the largest economies in the U.S. have formed alliances with their respective neighbors, like Washington, to coordinate an eventual easing of the shutdown. Uh, and they pose they pose a potential new obstacle to President Trump's plan to restart the national economy all at once. You know, he just wants to sort of flip it on like a light switch. Uh, one of the coalitions aligns New York with New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Delaware. And the other is California 
with its coastal neighbors, Washington and Oregon. Uh, And they're all going to band together to decide when they lift their stay-at-home orders and other restrictions. And hours after Cuomo and his fellow governors announced their plans, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker became the first Republican in either coalition, aligning his state with its neighbors in the Northeast. Wow. And Gavin, yeah, right? And Gavin Newsom has uh, tweeted six indicators to guide how and when we decide to open our economy. And they include... First, the ability to monitor communities through testing, contact tracing, isolation, and supporting those who are positive and exposed. The second metric is the ability to prevent infection in people with high risk. The third is the ability of hospitals and health systems to handle surges. Number four is the ability to develop therapeutics to meet the demand. Number five is the ability for businesses, schools, and child care facilities to support social distancing and the ability to determine when to reinstitute certain measures, such as stay at, such as stay at home orders, if necessary, is the final metric. So, meanwhile, Trump has been asked multiple times what the federal government plan is because you know he wanted total authority to do it all, um, and he he has not given any clearly defined metrics such as these. That was just one uh, of several deflections in yesterday's press briefing meltdown, where Trump was clearly pissed about that New York Times reporting from over the weekend that blasted him for not acting sooner and costing lives. And Fauci had told Jake Tapper over the weekend uh, that had the government acted sooner, presumably fewer people would have died. But yesterday, Fauci backed off that notion in, in the press conference, saying it was just a hypothetical. But he was asked directly about this specific scenario, the reality. Uh, and he gave an honest answer. And it was he was just clearly kowtowing to Trump to save his job, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But today, Fauci is saying that he doesn't think May 1st is a realistic goal for reopening the country. I only hope he can convince Trump of this, who said yesterday in his press conference that he wields, you know, total power over all the governors. So he told the governors that, you know, they were in charge of shutting down the economy, but he wants to be in charge of opening it back up. Sort of an authoritarian game of good cop, bad cop. And uh, during the press conference, Trump also aired a propaganda video uh, and... He refused to explain what his administration was doing in February when asked by Paula Reed at CBS why the entire month of February was left out of his propaganda video. Because Trump doesn't want us to remember what he said and did in February, including totally downplaying the virus, saying it would disappear because of warm weather or that we would have we had 15 cases and we would go to zero. And he also I mean, most of February, he, he spent golfing and doing he had he held four campaign rallies in February. Uh, and now he's trying to rewrite history about what actually happened so yeah that's a it, it, ugh. i i have a family friend paul who posted on his facebook about what fauci said during the press conference he said this he shared the article dr anthony fauci clarifies comments about delay in trump's coronavirus response he shared it with his own caption a man smart enough to know that to save lives he has to some, sometimes eat a shit sandwich on live tv to avoid offending the fragile the ego of the tiny-handed man to his left and i thought that was a good take on that mhm yep um i personally i i don't trust the guy now but that's just me i'm not going to tell anybody not to listen to him anymore um but i he lied um but you know i mean i get it he did it to save his job but but what if he can't convince trump to not reopen the country on may 1st then what's it what's he staying around for what's he sticking around for i i think he you know just because well i mean there's two there's two sides of this right if he leaves the Trump administration, or if he's fired by Trump, he would be free to say whatever he wanted and speak whatever truth he wanted. But he wouldn't have the White House press briefing staged to do it on, right? He would just right. have to rely on going onto mainstream media or writing op-eds or, you know, appearing in, in press conferences of his own or interviews of his own. But, like, keeping him in this team where he, Trump actually listens to him, uh, you know, in some of these important decisions, like not reopening the country on Easter, for example, was a big one. Uh, But to say that Trump listened to him the first time that they recommended NPIs or non-pharmaceutical interventions is not true. It's just not true. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, I don't feel incredibly strongly about it either way, I guess. Just right now, I feel like I understand why he did it. And I'm afraid of who would possibly replace him, and I'm sure he is too. And I, yeah, it's uh-huh. it's like, yeah, it's, it's just a really shitty 
constantly shitty position that anybody who isn't a Trump sycophant lives in. Yeah, especially if you're a holdover from a past administration and now you have to do your job, you know, under this under this administration. It's it's hard. It's terrible. And I know exactly what it's like. Yeah. I know exactly what it's like. And Frank Figaluzzi was, you know, because I tweeted, I was like, I can't believe Fauci kissed the ring. Jesus. And and Frank's like, seems like more of a hostage situation to help, you know, help save our lives pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Yeah, because a lot of people got the feeling that he was, it's like one of those hostage videos, like, everything's fine, I didn't say what I said, and I, this guy's great, and I gotta go to work, I'm gonna go back to work now, you know. <laughs> so Yeah, Fauci got really defensive when a reporter asked him a question, if he was implored to say that, he was like, no, why would you even suggest that? Or He said something to that effect, and then he dramatically looked at the guy and like stared him down for like two seconds. It was intense. Oh, yeah. Well, because the reason is, is because Trump retweeted a tweet that had the hashtag fire Fauci in it the <laughs> yeah. day before. So fuck. That's why I'm asking you this fucking question. And because you were clear about what you had said before. And for you to come up here and say, after we've seen the Red Dawn emails, for you to say that as soon as you, uh, you know, uh, recommended social distancing uh he trump took your advice and he he did he did manage to say as soon as we formally recommended mm-hmm. uh social distancing the, mm-hmm. as soon as we did trump trump adopted that point of view and so that, i think that's his little that's his little way out is by saying well we you know sure 3 weeks earlier we informally said that he should do this but we didn't formally say it until this day and that's when he said and that's just sort of like retroactively putting a label on the one time he listened to you calling that your formal recommendation but i wasn't in the room um so yeah he he is also in a weird position because if he's trying to maintain credibility and the reason why he presumably would have come out against the his own record like trump probably asked him to Maybe Trump asked him to. Maybe he just recognized, all right, this is not going well. He is retweeting tweets that say, fire me. I would believe that he could also have taken it on himself to do it even also. Either way, it sucks. But it's it's like if he let people in on any sort of confirmation that he was implored to do that, then you just set he sets the precedent you know, he confirms to everybody that he just does what Trump tells him to do, in which case he wouldn't be credible anyway, because then everybody would just be operating off the assumption that Trump told him to say whatever he says from that point forward. So I feel like the only option he had was to deny that vehemently. But yeah, it's freaking messy. But you're right. There's a ton of instances where people in the Trump administration or in in the, the, you know, uh, surrounding adjacent positions have acted in ways that they wouldn't normally act so as not to upset the president. Like when Kirsten Nielsen said, don't bring up Russia to Trump. He just doesn't like it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and she did that proactively. Or when uh, for, Modley, right, the, the acting secretary of the Navy, fired Captain Crozier from the USS Roosevelt uh, to prevent Trump. He even said that I did that to prevent Trump from intervening because I knew he would. And so you're right. I think a lot of these folks... I, I I wouldn't necessarily think that Trump forced Fauci to go and make that reversal. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm sure it probably came up as, as having been a problem and Fauci took it upon himself to do that. I think that's yeah. more likely, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's we have tons of evidence of that being the case with other people. People know how he's going to react and know what he's going to get involved in and know what's going to piss him off. And so they have to, you know, they have to make their own proactive or reactive choices to to smooth situations over that would otherwise have just been a moment of an honest answer to an honest question so yeah so what's um Cuomo gave his briefing today too and did you see I I wasn't going to report on this but I guess his brother Chris Cuomo sort of had a bit of a thing on his radio program today did you hear about that where he said he doesn't want to work for CNN any, anymore he hates his job he hates what he's doing and what he has to do and uh that he can't you know have opinions and, and things like that uh did you hear about that I did yeah Daily Beast reported on it with the headline Chris Cuomo my CNN job is pointless and I can't stand it if you want to look it up it's 
yeah, exactly what you said. He he went on a Sirius XM show and pretty much just vented. He said his battle with coronavirus had made him rethink his values and question his position as a public figure. Uh, this is a direct qu- quote. He said, I don't like what I do professionally. I don't think it's worth my time. Cuomo said he missed the freedom to tell his critics to go to hell, saying... That matters to me more than making millions of dollars a year because I've saved my money and I don't need it anymore. So that's <laughs> quarantine changes you, man. It's changing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's basically like, hey, I made my money. Fuck all the haters. If I want to be able to tell you to, to eat shit, I want to be able to tell you to eat shit. It is funny that he has a pattern in his life of doing a profession and working really hard to get to a certain point and then just being like, I don't want to do this because <laughs> like that's how he got into journalism in the first place right <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally. but hell yeah that's life that's like leveling up and shedding skin and shit and and that's what's like beautiful about it so i say go off cuomo you have a sense of humor that no one ever gets to see it'd be fun if he got to do stuff where he was more i don't know maybe he wants to make documentaries or he wants to be more of like a commentator or something and uh, yeah I, I i support it I'll do a show with you, Chris. Ooh. If you need. Yeah. Hell yeah. Some ladies. I, I like his feistiness. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. wh- but what about his brother, good old good old Governor Cuomo? What, what's, uh, what's he up to today? How'd his press briefing go? Yeah, so he kind of just went over a little bit what you were talking about, the Eastern and Western pacts. Um, he also just a report on his New York state numbers before I go too much into that. He said that the hospitalization rates continue to decline. However, there's still a huge amount of people that are getting diagnosed with COVID every day. So just really urging people to please do not forget that fact. Uh, The loss of lives is still staggering, but it's plateauing. From April 8th through April 13th, the number of people who died has every day has been in the high 700s around. I think the average is sitting around like like 775 kind of um and that's that's still incredibly that's a huge number of people to lose obviously any day of the week the fact that this is happening every single day is traumatizing and horrifying but the rate seems to be steady right now which is hopefully an indication that the curve is going to start its downward turn if people ever if everyone keeps doing what they're doing he really, really had a chance to, you know, tell everybody how much evidence there seems to be right now that staying inside is working. And what they're doing today is 100% affecting what happens tomorrow. And he really just wants everybody to keep cooperating with that. And that goes for everybody that's in every state. I feel like in California, too, you know, we were lucky enough to have the curve not get super crazy super fast here and time will only tell if we can keep it that way but i feel like because there's that sort of good news people start getting in their brain oh maybe it's okay to start venturing out then and that it's like no that is not what this means this means that finally we have what looks like some vague small amount of control over this outbreak slightly which is still killing a crap ton of people every single day um yeah, people need to remember that the hospitalization rates and the deaths from this are on like a three-week lag. So it's we aren't the the results that we're seeing aren't in the present. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Cuomo also then went on to fire back at Trump because during Trump's press conference, he was just slinging shit balls at all the governors and just everybody really. Uh, anybody that apparently had ever said anything even remotely critical of Trump. He was giving shit to, and then he had videos, as we saw, of the people that were happy with everything that he did, and um, Cuomo was not having that shit. He fired back, saying, in a really level-headed way, though, uh, he said Trump basically said he has complete and total authority over when the states open, and Cuomo said that is not accurate, and he is clearly just jonesing for a fight right now, and I'm not going to give it to him, basically. And, and I and I think uh, he expressed how important the state and federal relationship is. And then he kind of gets into some pretty, like, intense, deeply rooted in patriotism counter arguments against Trump's whole state hating spree that he's been going on. 
But Cuomo straight up said, we do not have a king here in New York. In fact, the founding of our nation was entirely in spite of that concept and our sovereignty still matters, basically. And he put up a quote by Alexander Hamilton, which is a big flex. It says, uh... The state governments possess inherent, and he read this aloud, the state governments possess inherent advantages which will ever give them an influence and ascendancy over the national government and will forever preclude the possibility of federal encroachments. That their liberties indeed can be subverted by the federal head is repugnant to every rule of political calculation. Damn. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Uh, and then Cuomo said this, he was like, and let me just remind you, it was the states that formed the federal government, not the federal government that formed the states. So he's just fucking really went in on him. And that was very pleasing to listen to and watch. Um, yeah. And I don't know when Democrats and Republicans flip flopped on this state's rights thing. It's been happening. Like, (laughs) this has always sort of been like, uh, Ah, you know, just like let the states decide if abortion is legal. Let the states do this. Let the states do that. When it when it when it helps the Republicans, they're all about it. And, and then the rest of the time, they're like, no, Federalist Constitution, blah blah blah. Uh, and then you know, we want, uh, like for example, the right to choose to be a, a federal law. And they're like, no, don't don't you encroach on my states' rights. I'm like, what is going on with the Republicans now, where the Democrats are defending states' rights and the Republicans are like, no, you don't have that right. Yeah, I guess because it's really become a matter of which entity is less likely to fuck it up royally. And right now that's the states, because at least you get 50 separate shots versus the one that is clearly a fuck up on all counts. (laughs) Yeah, and I know that I, you know, I know for a fact that that Trump wants the the governors to take the blame for the, the bad economy and for the the hospitalization problems and the not being able to get the gear and not being able to get testing and PPE uh, and, you know, and to the stay at home orders, he wants the states to do all that, the governors to do all that. So they feel shit. So, that, you know, that they they're the bad cop. And then he wants to announce all the good news and have all the you know, he's intercepting all of the ventilators and masks that are coming in that were ordered by the states. He's fucking pirating them and then sending them out like he's the hero and then and then saying, I'm going to be the one who reopens the government. And, it, and so he can get all the credit. And it's just. It's, it's it's obvious to to outside observers what's happening with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Cuomo's not having him, and he was like, you're going to try to get a fight, and I will tell you, you are not getting that out of me. I'm going to keep doing my job, and I hope, you know, we can continue to work together, basically, but I'm not going to, I'm not about to start politicizing this fight when I and everyone else have worked so hard to not do that here. Yeah, I, I really appreciated that. Um that part of what he what he was saying yeah well, cool yeah thank you for that update totally yeah and um we do have a lot more news to get to uh right on the other side of this break but you're going to be back to join me for the good news right yes all right cool so stick around we'll be right back after these messages we'll be right back Hey everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Third Love, the makers of my all-time favorite bras. I am obsessed with Third Love bras. I have only Third Love bras now. Best bras in the world, they do design them to fit you specifically, not the other way around. Many people don't realize a lot of women fall in between cup sizes. I am one of those women, so I always get that cup gap or the spillage, and it can be really frustrating because it also leads to digging straps or slipping straps, so it can be hard to find the perfect fit, but not with Third Love. They have over 80 bra sizes, including half cup sizes, so you can find the right fit for you. So check out their Fit Finder quiz online. In just a couple minutes, you can find your ideal bra. Third Love factors both cup size and breast shape when finding you the perfect fit. And every Third Love bra is made with lightweight, super thin memory foam cups to mold to your shape. Uh, and with Third Love's perfect fit promise, which is great, you have 60 days to wash it, wear it, try it out. If it's not the perfect fit, if you don't absolutely love it, returns and exchanges are free and easy, and they have incredible customer service. I love all their customer service people. And they donate all their gently used bras to people in need. And so far, they've donated over $15 million in bras, supporting charities across the U.S. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com dailybeans now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's Third Love love.com slash daily beans for 15% off today. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, the FDA has approved 
a saliva test and an emergency authorization. Um, and this looks really promising. It, the study was based on 60 patients that used the saliva test as opposed to the swab, and it is shown 100% accuracy in those 60 patients. An in-clinic saliva test would relieve the need for having to change or need new PPE for each test, for administering each test by a healthcare professional, and it's far more comfortable than the swab up the nose. Um, this could be useful if it becomes an at-home telemedicine test, especially in meeting the first metric of Governor Gavin Newsom's plan of testing and contact tracing that we were talking about in the A Block. And a paper written by Harvard scientists concludes the U.S. may need to endure intermittent social distancing until 2022 or until a vaccine is available and we're all inoculated. That is one of several different trajectories posited in this paper. Um, we have to develop immunity and test that immunity, obviously. But the point is the virus isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And we've, we've talked about this um, when you know, we were listening to uh, Mr. McNeil come on the Maddow show and say, look, you, 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 there's nowhere to run. You can't run from it. It's here. And until you have a vaccine, it's you have to have these social distancing elements in place, at least intermittently. But early studies, which have not yet been peer reviewed, by the way, and I wanted to make that limitation known, are showing that higher rates of reinfection are happening. At, uh, and there's a low level of antibodies in one out of three patients that showed mild symptoms the first time they were infected with COVID-19. Again, like I said, these are early experiments. We need a lot more data before we can draw any conclusions. But we need to keep our eyes on the reinfection rate. Um, and yesterday we learned that one of the crew of the USS Roosevelt has died of COVID-19. The captain of the Roosevelt was fired. You know, Captain Crozier was fired by the Secretary of the Navy for sounding the alarm bells to 20 high-level officials in the Navy and being accused of leaking uh, the, uh, the information to the press. Uh, the Secretary of the Navy eventually apologized, Modley, Thomas Modley, and then resigned for the comments he made to the crew of the Roosevelt. Uh, and this is from the New York Times, quote, the coronavirus crisis aboard the carrier Theodore Roosevelt spurred another chapter in the hollowing out of the Navy's leadership, in particular under the Trump administration. On March 30th, after four days of rebuffs from his superiors, Captain Crozier sat down to compose an email. And this is sort of the part that we were missing, right? How long was, was Captain Crozier, how many times was he trying to get the Navy to pay attention that, you know, coronavirus was aboard his ship and that posed a grave danger to the lives of the sailors and his crew. And apparently it was four days of rebuffs from his superior officers. Um, he sat down and composed an email. Sailors don't need to die, he wrote, to 20 other people, all Navy personnel in the Pacific, asking for help. A Naval Academy graduate with nearly 30 years of military service, the captain was pretty sure the email would end his career. Um, and his friends have told interviewers that, um, that he was sure that, that sending the email would end his career. The military prize is a chain of command, and the appropriate course would have been for the captain to continue to push his superiors for action. But he hit send anyway. And now, three weeks later, the fired captain is battling the coronavirus himself. 584 other crew members have tested positive, and one has died. So he did the right thing. He pushed his superiors. He went through, tried to go through the chain of command. Four days is a long time uh, with this virus. So he did the right thing. And... The Small Business Association funding, the loans that small businesses were going to get under the coronavirus stimulus plan, will run out of money by the end of the week, leaving more working people in the lurch. And uh, news, there's news out regarding your stimulus checks, by the way. Trump is allowing the banks to confiscate all or part of your stimulus money if you have a negative account balance or a charge-off. There are no protections in place on this money uh, in the law to prevent banks from seizing uh, your stimulus check if you owe them anything. Uh, Julian Chatterley from the CNN Business uh, News says she spoke to one big bank who told her they were gonna, they were going to keep the money whole. They weren't going to use it to pay overdraft fees. But there are absolutely no protections um, and no guarantees for that uh, and no broad promises yet from all of the banks. There are also no protections for debt collectors coming after the money. Um, the Treasury needs to put a rule in place, uh, as they have for Social Security money that protects two months' worth of payments. But so far, nothing like that is in place. And if you think about it, stimulus check could just be an easy way to get rich folks in the banks paid back using your stimulus money for overdrafts. Um, another massive transfer of wealth, it seems like, from working people. I'd like to really be interested to see those numbers. Uh, maybe Elizabeth Warren can 
figure that out, how much of those stimulus checks went to pay overdrafts uh, and bank debts. And uh, speaking of the stimulus and rich assholes, the airlines are balking at their bailout. They're mad about it because 70% is a grant, free money, but the rest is a loan that would have to be paid back. These are the same airlines that took their tax cuts from that horrible Republican tax bill and used it for stock buybacks instead of putting it towards their workers. So fuck them, honestly. Um, They're mad. All four of the major airlines are, are apparently upset about this. But their stocks went up pretty considerably today with the announcement of this um, use of the Treasury Fund to bail out the airlines. And from the New York Times, a research trial of coronavirus patients in Brazil ended after patients taking a higher dose of chloroquine, one of the drugs President Trump has promoted, developed irregular heart rates and were at risk for arrhythmia. The Brazilian study involved 81 hospitalized patients. Uh, It was posted on Saturday at MedRxIV, an online server for medical articles, before undergoing peer review by other researchers. So it hasn't been peer-reviewed either. Uh, because Brazil's national guidelines recommended the use of chloroquine in, a coronavirus, in coronavirus patients, the researchers said including a placebo in their trial uh, was an impossibility, and they considered this the best way to evaluate the drug. And despite its limitation, infectious disease doctors and drug safety experts said the study provided further evidence that chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine, which are both used to treat malaria, can pose significant harm to some patients, specifically the risk of fatal heart arrhythmia. Patients in the trial were also given the antibiotic azithromycin, which carries the same heart risk. Hospitals in the United States are also using azithromycin to treat coronavirus patients, often in combination with hydroxychloroquine. Roughly half the study participants were given doses of 450 milligrams of chloroquine twice daily for five days, while the rest were prescribed a higher dose of 600 milligrams for 10 days. Within three days, researchers started noticing heart arrhythmias in the patients taking the higher dose of 600 milligrams, and by the sixth day of treatment, 11 patients had died, leading to an immediate end to the high-dose segment of the trial. The researchers uh, said the study did not have enough patients in the lower dose, lower dose portion of the trial to conclude if chloroquine was effective in patients with severe disease. So they can't conclude it was effective, and it killed 11 people at higher doses. More studies evaluating the drug earlier in the course of the disease are urgently needed, according to researchers. And the CIA has privately advised its workforce that taking hydroxychloroquine has potentially dangerous side effects, including sudden death. This warning is featured on a CIA website for employees with questions related to COVID-19. Quote, at this point, the drug is not recommended to be used by patients except by medical professionals prescribing it as part of an ongoing investigational study. There are potentially significant side effects, including sudden cardiac death associated with hydroxychloroquine, and its individual use in patients needs to be carefully selected and monitored by a healthcare professional. And then it says in bold, please do not obtain this medication on your own. That is a warning from our own CIA to their employees. Another study of patients said development of antibodies for immunity has troubling results. Um, And I should qualify this story, too. This study's results have not yet gone through peer review either. Um, But, you know, as we as you know, we all make antibodies when we have uh, an infection and those are in our blood. And then uh, presumably once the infection is gone, infection is gone, we have these antibodies. So if we get it again, those antibodies will attack it and and keep us from getting sick a second time. But among recovered former COVID-19 cases, nearly a third had unexpectedly low levels of antibodies. In some cases, antibodies could not be detected at all. Quote, Whether these patients were at high risk of rebound or reinfection should be explored in further studies, obviously, the team writes. Antibodies are generated, like I said, by the immune system and have unique chemical structures to inhibit specific pathogens. The coronavirus antibody intercepts the spike protein on the viral envelope to prevent it from binding with human cells. Uh, Researchers say they were surprised to find that the antibody, uh, titer value, T-I-T-E-R, Uh, In about a third of patients was less than 500. The tighter value of antibodies was less than 500 in about a third of patients, a level that might be too low to provide protection. About 30% of patients failed to develop high titers of neutralizing antibodies after COVID-19 infection. However, the disease duration of these patients compared to others was similar. Um, The team also found that antibody levels rose with age with people's in, people in the 60 to 85 age group displaying more than three times the amount of antibodies as people in the 15 to 39 age group. Low amounts of antibodies could affect herd immunity, 
resistance to the disease among the general population to stop its spread. That's what herd immunity is. Quote, what this will mean to herd immunity will require more data from other parts of the world. So uh, obviously more data is needed, but um, just some interesting early on, non, not yet peer-reviewed, keep in mind of that limitation, uh, information about antibodies and, and COVID. And of course, also please note that the age, you know, antibodies for age that's correlative that's not causation we don't know if you know i mean it's a strong correlation obviously but uh there's a difference between those two things as you know our listeners are smart uh quote vaccine developers may need to pay particular attention to these patients um one of the people in the study says if the real virus could not induce antibody response the weakened version of the vaccine might not work in these patients either uh, the researchers also found that COVID, the COVID-19 antibody could bind with a distantly related strain, SARS-1, from 2003, but the binding could not surpass SARS-1 virus replication in cells, which dashes the hopes of developing a vaccine for more than one coronavirus strain at once. Similarly, uh, mild illness, in other words, might not always build up protection. And similarly, it will be important to study immune responses of people with asymptomatic cases of infection to determine whether symptoms and their severity predict whether a person becomes immune. If you have a more severe you know, re uh, reaction to the virus, if your symptoms are more severe, do you build more antibodies? Is that why the older population had way more antibodies? Because they were more impacted by the virus. That is also still unknown. So many studies need to be done on this, so they're going to be pretty busy for a while. And also researchers in China and the U.S. find that uh, SARS-CoV-2, that's um, the virus that causes COVID-19, coronavirus, can destroy T-cells that are supposed to protect the body from harmful invaders. This was not true for SARS-1 or MERS. So T-lymphocytes, known as T-cells, play a role in identifying and eliminating alien invaders in your body. They capture a cell infected, bore a hole, and inject toxic chemicals into the cell. These chemicals can kill both the virus and the infected cell. To the surprise of scientists, the T-cell became a prey to the coronavirus in this experiment. They found a unique structure in the virus's spike protein that appeared to have triggered the fusion. The virus's genes then entered the T-cell and took it hostage. Uh, researchers did the same experiment with SARS-1 and found that the SARS-1 virus did not have the ability to infect a T-cell. SARS-1 can only infect cells carrying a specific receptor protein known as ACE2, which has an extremely low presence in T-cells. In February, Chen Yangwen and his colleagues warned that the number of T-cells could drop significantly in COVID-19 patients, especially if they were elderly or required treatment in intensive care units. The lower T-cell count, the higher the risk of death. This observation was later confirmed by autopsy examinations on more than 20 patients whose immune systems were almost completely destroyed. The gene behind the fusion function in SARS-2, or this coronavirus, novel coronavirus, was not found in the other coronaviruses in humans or in animals. But Liu and Jiang did not observe any growth of the coronavirus after it entered the T-cell, suggesting the virus and T-cells might end up dying together. Uh, I recommend following at Dr. Eric Ding, D-R-E-R-I-C-D-I-N-G on Twitter for updates like these. He shares a lot of these uh, studies. Um, and these, like I said, these are all early stage studies, but he's, he's very good about telling you the sample sizes, the validity, the peer review, what limitations the study has, uh, and, and what the implications could be. But, you know, don't draw any conclusions because these are still early stage studies. It's a, it's a great Twitter to follow. I highly recommend it. And... In some less scientific news, the World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE, has been deemed essential business. That's fucking essential in Florida. The mayor of Orange County said on Monday, uh, WWE is essential, allowing the company to resume live, ta resume live tapings of its shows in the state, in Florida, during the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, a statewide stay-at-home order went into effect earlier this month in a bid to slow the spread. And while WWE was not initially viewed as essential, like grocery stores and pharmacies, it has since been given the green light. The decision, the decision, which was outlined in an April 9th memo from Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, allows WWE to tape live shows if the location is closed to the general public. Uh, this is from the same people who complain about funding for the Kennedy Center. So just interesting story there. We'll be right back with more news right after this. Um, stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Beachbody On Demand. Right now, while we're all stuck in our homes, it's really important to avoid complacency. Uh, I need to stay active for my mental health, and I like to keep moving, and you can work out 
and even take classes in the comfort of your own home with Beachbody On Demand. Beachbody On Demand is the easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to over 1,300 super effective, you know, the famous workouts from Beachbody, and they're suited for anybody at any time. Beachbody On Demand is the best streaming workout program. They're the company behind P90X, Insanity. I've done Insanity. It's insane. Uh, And the 21-Day Fix. I've also done Focus. um, And so check out some of Beachbody's newest programs like Morning Meltdown and there's 80 Day Obsession to start every day strong. I've been doing Morning Meltdown 100. I feel stronger. I feel better. I'm, I'm getting up. I've got something. I've got a staple in my day. I've got a routine and it means a lot to me. And with Beachbody On Demand, you'll get motivated by celebrity super trainers and have access to hundreds of effective workouts for all fitness levels. They have weight training, cardio, yoga, meditation, and even dance workouts. Exercise on your schedule with workouts as short as 10 minutes that don't require extra equipment. And in the time it takes you to drive and park at the gym, you'd be finished working out. So access them anywhere, anytime, on the computer, tablet, smartphone, and more. It's the best deal in fitness, and listeners of The Daily Beans can try it free, absolutely free. Right now, my listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text Daily Beans to 303030. That's 303030. You will get full access to this entire platform for free. And all the workouts, the nutrition information, and all the support. Totally free. Again, just text Daily Beans, one word, to 303030. All right, everybody, welcome back. So last week, I had a conversation with Andrew Torres from the Opening Arguments podcast about a ruling a federal judge made in a case against Trump and his fam. Uh, Trump and fam were being sued for featuring a pyramid scheme on the Celebrity Apprentice show. And some folks fell for it and are now suing them for pushing a Ponzi scheme. A federal judge had ruled that the case couldn't would not go to arbitration. They had to go to court because the Trump and the Trumps wanted it to go to arbitration. And the judge said, no, Um, it would need to be adjudicated in court. Andrew told us there's really no difference between arbitration and going to court as far as information and discovery becoming public was concerned. Like we couldn't figure out what the angle was here. But the Trumps just appealed the arbitration decision, which makes me wonder why the Trumps want arbitration so badly. Uh, if, the Trump, if the Trumps want something, I'm immediately skeptical of it. Um, so I asked Torres what the motivation is here. And he said um, arbitration could put the plaintiffs suing Trump at a disadvantage because they have to come up with lawyer money up front. You can't get a contingency fee attorney to take a case in an arbitration case. So it, it's, that's a typical Trump-style legal fight. Use tricks and technicalities to get the case to go away, right? They're basically, hopefully, I think what they're trying to do is force this into arbitration so the plaintiff who's suing Trump has to pay lawyers up front instead of doing it on a contingency basis. So that would probably be the the only advantage that the, they, the Trumps might be able to just make this plaintiff go away because they didn't have the upfront money to pay for arbitration in the beginning. Uh, the judge also ruled that Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer has to hand over hundreds of hours of tapes of Celebrity Apprentice episodes that featured the Pyramid Scheme uh, company. And in 2020 election news, Biden won Wisconsin yesterday. But that's actually not the big, it was like 60 five to 31. But that's not the big news from the Wisconsin primary. The big news was the Wisconsin Supreme Court race where a liberal woman, Jill Karofsky, beat a Trump-backed incumbent to win a 10-year seat on that state's Supreme Court. And the victory was by upward of 120,000 votes as of Monday night. And it came as a shock to Republicans and Democrats alike in Wisconsin, where the most recent contests for president, governor, and the state's high court have been each decided by about 30,000 votes or less. And this was 120,000 votes. Uh, It followed weeks of uh, Democratic anger over Republicans' insistence on holding elections amid the coronavirus pandemic. And I've been saying this for the last three years, right? We have to vote in numbers too big to manipulate. And Wisconsin did just that in what is surely an embarrassing loss for Republicans and likely contributed to Trump's infantile meltdown shit mood at his propaganda briefing on Monday. Uh, Mrs. Kar- Ms. Karofsky's surprise triumph came after Republicans in the state legislature and later conservatives on the Wisconsin Supreme Court rebuffed Democratic efforts to move the date of the elections held last week. But within well, you know, the results were delayed until Monday by a federal judge um, or they could send in mail in ballots to all voters because of the pandemic. Um, and they, but they said they weren't going to do that and they all, all they weren't going to extend absentee voting either. That was decided by the Supreme Court. Uh, The decisive Democratic win offered a signal that the party 
highly energized and mobilized heading into 2020, could organize and execute a winning get-out-the-vote program against strident Republican efforts to limit voter turnout in a narrowly divided state widely expected to be crucial in this false presidential election. So it's just a real good look for Democrats. Uh, we vote, we vote, you know, they voted and numbers too big to manipulate. Just massive crushing. It was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Wisconsinites, for that win. Also yesterday, in case you missed it, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden appeared in a split-screen video in which Bernie fully, full-throatedly endorsed Biden for president. Bernie promised he would uh, endorse, endorse Biden if he, didn't, if he wasn't the presumptive nominee, and he kept his promise. And today, Obama released his video endorsing Joe Biden. And interesting, because Elizabeth Warren hasn't made an endorsement yet. She was my candidate. Um, I was a Warren voter. But I did notice something in Obama's video. He mentioned the phrase, big structural change. Um, and that is a specific... You know, I'd like to think everything Obama says is deliberate. He's very deliberate in his words. And that's a huge nod to Elizabeth Warren. And I don't know if it's because she hasn't endorsed or if she's being considered for VP. We all know Kamala and and Klobuchar are also on the VP shortlist, but they've endorsed Biden. Uh, I don't know if they're waiting for a moment um, like I said, I'm a Warren supporter 100%, but I can't figure out the delay. Let me know what you think. I'd be really interested to know what you think, what this strategy is. If it is a strategy, maybe Warren's just like, hey, I'm not ready. Fuck off. Uh, and that's cool, too. High five. I love you. But let me know what you think. Hit me up at Daily Beans Pod on Twitter. I would love to know um, if you see anything to this, um, the big structural change comment by Obama and just the fact that she's the only holdout. I think it's interesting. Um, back to some more coronavirus news. We now have the first documented case of someone contracting coronavirus from a body. And this is from BuzzFeed News. Thailand is reporting the first fatal case of the novel coronavirus being transmitted from a dead patient to a medical examiner, a finding that experts say adds to safety concerns for morgue and funeral home workers amid the global pandemic. Quote, this is the first report on COVID-19 infection and death among medical personnel in a forensic medicine unit. And that's according to the Journal of Forensic and Legal Medicine study released on Sunday. And I'm not sure if you watched the horrible propaganda briefing yesterday. But one of the bright spots, aside from Caitlin Collins calling Trump out for lying and asking, who told you you had total authority? Who told you that? That's not true. Um, Other than that was the person behind the CNN Chirons during the briefing yesterday. The the Chiron guy had zero fucks to give. Here were some of the here were some of the CNN Chirons while I was watching that uh, Trump meltdown. First of all, angry Trump turns briefing into propaganda session. That was a great one. Another one was Trump refuses to acknowledge any mistakes. <laughs> Just I can't. I I was. 100% feeling whoever was writing the Chirons for you because this is like I, I was like at the end of my rope yesterday with this with this these press briefings these task force propaganda briefings another one was Trump uses task force briefing to try and rewrite history on coronavirus response <laughs> it's so beautiful and Trump melts down in angry response to reports he ignored warnings virus warnings this is that's just fantastic so uh high five to the Chiron writer from CNN. And uh, today's propaganda briefing took place in the Rose Garden, where microphones can be snatched from reporters if tr- Trump doesn't like what you're saying. Uh, in the briefing room, the, you know, the press is mic'd up. But in the Rose Garden, they're handed microphones, which can easily be taken away. And that didn't really happen today that I saw, but I kind of left early, and they were going in and out. Um, the networks don't carry these full things anymore. So Trump, first, the big news is he announced he was halting funding for the World Health Organization. Uh, and went on a tirade blaming them and China for the outbreak. These are his scapegoats. And I am not going to sit here and tell you that the World Health Organization is awesome. I think it needs to be reviewed and I think it needs to be looked at, but probably not in the middle of a world pandemic, not in the middle of a global coronavirus pandemic is probably a good idea to keep funding the WHO. Um, And it sounded a lot like Ukraine to me. Like, he, you know, he said that he's going to withhold that funding uh, b- pending review. And remember, that's what, what uh, his excuse was for withholding the Ukraine funding. We have to make sure it's 
Uh, they're using it properly. We're reviewing it. It's being reviewed by the Pentagon. Pentagon's like, we reviewed it, bro. It was fine. Give him the money. He's like, no, it, was, it needs review. Uh, uh, this just sounds like he's going to make the, the World Health Organization investigate Biden or <laughs> he's not going to fund him. I don't know. Maybe he's trying to get him to say that China's at fault because they're super, they're, you know, they're pretty pro-China or at least China-centric. Um, I don't know, but it seems like, I mean, hey, I guess he can do that. I guess, you know, he can withhold. He did. He, he, I guess his decision. Uh, he kept touting his travel ban, uh, but, uh, the, the Chiron CNN person today was had up on the thing that 40,000 travelers came from China after his ban was put in place. Uh, and then he again insinuated it's going to be him that authorizes each governor to reopen their economies. But you can uh, you can't gift the governors with powers they already have. You can't be the benevolent guy saying, I'm going to allow you to do what you've already been given constitutional authority to do. He's totally backing off his full authority thing, his total power thing from yesterday. Uh, this is his way of sort of backing off of that. But it's pretty obvious to me that he's just, he knows he fucked up and, and, but he still wants to seem like he wields power over the governors and, and that he still wants to be able to take credit for reopening the economy. And so that's why he said, I'm going to speak to each individual governor from each individual state and I will authorize them to open their economy. Uh, oh, thank you so much. They already had the authorization to do that. You giant asshole. But that's uh, nonetheless it was the way he was advised to fix what he did yesterday, which is basically announce his authoritarianism to the world in his press conference uh, and, and have Pence back him up on it on live television. It has to just be so weird if you're not from here, uh, just watching what's happening here, being like, what the hell is going on in the United States? I can't I can't imagine. Um, I can only know what it's like from the inside. So we do have significant amounts of good news, though, and you're going to want to stick around for that. Jordan's going to join me again right after this quick break. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. This Helping of Daily Beans is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think much about internet privacy on your own home network. Fire up incognito mode on your browser and no one can see what you're doing, right? Wrong. Even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced. Even if you're clear, you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you visited. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP, your internet service provider, can't see what sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers. Each ExpressVPN server has an IP address that's shared among thousands of users. That means everything you do is anonymized and you can't be traced. It can't be traced back to you. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data with the best in-class encryption, so your information is always protected. Using the internet with confidence from your computer, tablet, or smartphone, ExpressVPN has you covered on every device. Simply tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy. Visit our special link at expressvpn.com dailybeans, and you could get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash dailybeans. Expressvpn.com slash dailybeans to learn more. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. And the first good news story here, I've got uh, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam announced Sunday that he signed a series of new measures into law aimed at expanding access to voting in Virginia. The new legislation will establish Election Day as a holiday. Uh, and it will remove the requirement that voters have to show a photo ID prior to casting their ballot. And it will expand early voting to be allowed 45 days before an election without a stated reason. 45 days. Uh, I don't know if that was like a little nudge to Trump, but that's fun. Uh, <laughs> let's make it 45. Um, he says voting is a fundamental right. And these new laws strengthen our democracy by making it easier to cast a ballot, not harder. No matter who you are or you live in Virginia, your voice deserves to be heard. I'm proud to sign these bills. Uh, and I think my favorite part is that he's making it a holiday. He's actually replacing a holiday. The, the legislation repeals the current Lee Jackson Day holiday, which honored Robert E. Lee and Thomas Stonewall Jackson as defenders of causes. Uh, <laughs> so 
he's taking he's he's not just creating a new holiday he's replacing a, a, a shitty one and i think that that's great um several states and cities have already made election day a civic holiday including delaware hawaii kentucky and new york state offices typically close though it depends on the state whether employees are entitled to paid time off to vote Proponents say making Election Day a holiday could improve voter turnout, but Election Day may not become a federal holiday anytime soon because it draws deep divisions among party lines, obviously. So that's cool. And then before we get to our listener-submitted good news, I do have a little bit of schadenfreude. Schadenfreude! Okay, so this is great. A student has filed a class action lawsuit against Liberty University over the school's response to the coronavirus crisis seeking refunds of thousands of dollars of tuition paid for the spring semester. A plaintiff identified as Student A uh, cited fear of retaliation and harassment, uh, accused the school uh, and its president, Jerry Falwell Jr., of downplaying the crisis and refusing to refund fees for services that are no longer available. Quote, Liberty University is, in a very real sense, profiting from COVID-19 pandemic, keeping its campus and campus services open as a pretext to retain plaintiffs and other class members' room, board, and campus fees, despite no longer having to incur the full cost of providing those services, all while putting students' finances and health at risk. That's part from the lawsuit. So, boo. Go student A. Yes, go students, but boo Liberty. I guess give me liberty or give me death has a whole new meaning. Is there a mascot, a statue, or what? Yeah, I don't know. Is it like a crown? Like, <laughs> Let me see. She's a harbor chick. At the basketball uh, game, she's just like walking around, gets like smacked in the face with balls constantly. Let's see. And they rent, they rent her out to, <laughs> they rent her out to uh, Liberty Insurance on the weekends for sign holders. <laughs> <laughs> just squeezing every last dime they can out of this poor, poor person. <laughs> Uh, yeah i see see no mentions of mascots on their website (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that'd be funny like uh, yeah just uh renting out that costume that'd be great Mm -hmm. all right so it's sparky the eagle of course oh oh very very arsony yeah very arsony sparky sparky the eagle sparky yeah okay very interesting I guess huh. like fireworks, maybe. Uh, maybe. I wonder if their cafeteria food, every, everything is dyed red, white, and blue. Every food, <laughs> <laughs> just the most annoyingly steeped in patriotism, quote unquote, place. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Yikes! Ugh, the other, the quad. Yeah, <laughs> probably just gross. Full, just flags, probably four more flags per square foot than any quad in the universe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. When a strong wind comes through. My God. Uh, It's probably beautiful. It's sparky. (laughs) So uh, what do our uh, listeners, what what good news from our listeners uh, this this day? Yes. All right. So we have from Scotty. Scotty says, my Animal Crossing Museum's fossil collection is growing quite large. I'm also slowly (laughs) shaping my yard into a relaxing Japanese Zen garden with a giant Godzilla statue in the flower beds. Dude, I love that Godzilla statue. It's huge. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I love it. That's cool. I had a friend that had a... Um, are the Japanese Zen gardens the ones where you take the rake and you can uh, basically just like drag it through the sand? Yeah, the rock gardens. Yeah. Yeah. Those are so pretty and soothing. Uh, okay, next from Barbara. Barbara says, my 14-year-old created tension bands with his 3D printer and gave them out to people with ill-fitting masks. It hooks the ear straps around the nape of the neck. Very cool and effective. That is really cool. I actually have a friend who works in healthcare. I think she's in Arizona. And she posted a picture of this saying that it's huge for them because, number one, it fits better, but it also doesn't dig into the back of their ears. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It can be it can be really uncomfortable, especially if you're wearing the same mask for or masks all day, like for twelve, oh, sixteen, absolutely. eighteen hour shifts. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. Go fourteen year old son. That's awesome. Um all right. Let me <laughs> see. My fourteen year old oh wait, yes, his. Okay. I was gonna say. I don't know if I misgendered fourteen year old son. It is a he. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> It is a he. That's somehow less offensive. All right. Um, from <laughs> from Larry Forte. He says, 
I'm an art museum installer at a large university. Thankfully, I still get paid, but in order to justify that, all of us must work on something recognizable as professional development or contribute to the museum's effort to reach out and engage our community. I'm also an artist, and one of my side projects has been a podcast. I've always done it when I can. With this time at home, I now call up old friends and former co-workers from the gallery and museum world talking about what they do and how they are dealing with this thing and recording our conversations as a podcast so far it's been great catching up with everybody and they all love being asked to tell their story so i get to do what i wanted to do all along yay i am thankful oh awesome that is so cool it's tragic there can't be a visual element given the nature of art and stuff but talking about art it's the second best thing (laughs) that's so cool um heck yeah i'll have to to tell my sister about that she's in an art history class maybe she would enjoy that um okay next from ian harvey ian says i'm a native pennsylvanian living away for years now but my ears always perk up when i hear anything about my home thank you for quoting governor wolf in yesterday's episode but i also want to bring your attention to the lieutenant governor john fetterman Nothing that he has done in particular, but he is just an all-around really amazing guy and worth everyone looking into more, especially as he becomes more nationally relevant in the upcoming years. Hell yeah, we got an up-and-coming politician. Nice. Woo. We heard of him first. <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> cool. That's really cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll let my, my mom's back in PA, too. I wonder if she she's probably heard of him, too. I'll have to talk to her. Um, but that's dope. And that's our good news for our listeners. Now we're moving on to our quarantine confessions, which have been so great. We've got a few here. Thank you, everyone, for being vulnerable and sharing this. We love hearing it. Uh, From Beth, strange coping mechanism. I took my pillow into my car the other day and rage screamed into it until I felt better. So I didn't wake up my kids. Not so strange. We adopted a 10-week-old kitten a few days ago. I cuddle him constantly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's really good anger management stuff and the kitten mm. what is more adorable truly than a fucking kitten i love kittens my god adorable our patron and uh group moderator gail her cat had kittens in quarantine and she posts videos of them on a daily basis and i love it mm-hmm. yeah they're just truly serotonin factories they're the best uh All right, next from Matthew Neiman. When I make my morning coffee, I wander around the house saying, double shot latte, motherfucker, in my best iced tea voice. I live alone. (laughs) (laughs) I like the I live alone is my favorite part of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I live alone. Yes, I live alone. It's a a statement of his (laughs) ultimate condition. That's funny. Um... (laughs) i live alone a lot of people live alone you're not alone in that sense matthew uh all right next from yeah <laughs> from lola i've turned into that obvious or i'm sorry i've turned into that obnoxious noisy neighbor from bewitched um oh gosh oh moo moo is that how you say that m-u-u m-u-u uh-huh. okay i've never seen the show sorry moo moo and all howard they don't live here howard wake up howard <laughs> love it i wish i knew the reference so i could have really put my heart and soul into that impression but yes well you know what a moo is right I, nope i know i know nothing that i just said <laughs> okay it's like a caftan it's not it's not part it's not like specific to that show oh. it's, it's a, a house dress that you wear oh uh, shit as yes i just googled it's a hawaiian it. word very cool moo a loose dress of hawaiian origin that hangs from the shoulder and it's like a cross between a shirt and a robe. Sounds lovely. Yes. Perfect. I, it's very comfy. I need to watch some Bewitch now. Uh, all right. Uh, next up from Glam Quarantine Confession. Forgive me, Muller, for I have sinned. This is my first confession. When I come across an article on a website that requires an email sign-up to read, I've taken to using my Trump-supporting father's email address to inundate him with left-wing messaging. I do not feel remorse, and am very likely to continue this behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Double shot of espresso. Oh, that's so good. That's fucking funny. I love it. 
Uh, next up from Jay Baker. Confession, 30th day of my lockdown. I've been creating my own entertainment. I bought 10,000 googly eyes and have been putting them on different pictures I've been printing, such as Nicolas Cage and Joe Exotic, and hiding them around the house for my wife to find unexpectedly. So far, she's found two and not nearly as amused as I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Uh, nothing goes farther than a canister of emergency googly eyes. Yeah, I have to say that. I mean, all the things you could googly, you know, it's they're so ad- mm-hmm. adhesib- adhesi- adhesible. What is that adjective? Yeah. Who knows? Either way, adhesive. And they're adhe- yeah. Yes. And adhesive is a noun, though, isn't it? It could also be an adverb Perfect. or an adjective. But you Settled. you could get. You should see Google Christopher Walken's googly eye plants. Mm. Um, the very nervous gardener. He he's a, he Christopher Walken. So he's like, wow, hey, you know, and he's doing his whole Walken <laughs> thing. But he plays a gardener on Saturday Night Live, who's very very p- paranoid and suspicious of his plants. So in order to be able to look <laughs> them in the eyes, he puts googly eyes on all of his plants. Oh my and it's god! Really, an excellent sketch. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. I'm looking at pictures now. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Oh, my it's God. So that's great. so funny. And he goes, yeah, as you know, the eyes are the windows of your face. Wow. That's <laughs> just great. They all look that's like frogs sketch. once you put eyes on plants. Amazing. Wow. This is great. I could look at that all day. Thank you. I'll have to watch that. Okay. And our final one from Zacharias. Here's a coronavirus confession by a friend. Not trimming nose hairs due to hope that this would help prevent breathing in any viruses. I I mean, my friend doesn't have any specific basis to confirm if that is sound logic. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Who knows? Let's see. Does trimming nose hair help with COVID-19? I don't know. Let's see. Nose hair removal. Nope. Help breathing, blah, 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 nose hair removal. I'm not seeing anything. I think nose hairs help with particulates, but not germs. But I mean, you know, hey, I I, I haven't seen any real solid studies on this. So you can draw your own conclusions and do what you think is best. Err on the side of caution. It's like on one hand, if you take them out, then that, you know, possibly lifts the deterrence for the germ to get up inside your nose. On the other hand, if they're long and hanging out, you know, they could be like catching them like fly balls and bringing it up into your nose. Yeah, like vines. Yeah. Yeah, like climbing the rope in gym class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sorry to make a joke about germs right now, but uh, it's the little things, you know. That's great. Yes. Well... That's all we got for good news and quarantine confessions. Thank you, everybody. We do those uh, at our Twitter. You can tweet them at us. And we've loved seeing them. So if you have any horribly embarrassing things you've been doing, uh, send them to us. We'll tell everyone. Yep. Um, and pets, p- pet pictures, always uh, down for those. Hit us up at Daily Beans Pod with any of them, any and all of your uh, pod pets and confessions and odd habits that you're doing uh we love to hear them and we'll be happy to share them if you don't want us to give you a shout out make sure you put anonymous on there uh but anyway any final thoughts before we let everybody off the hook um no i don't think so i I hope to see you friday at our happy hour looking forward to that yes i always it's like you were talking about i think it was on monday's show the last one i was on when you were saying if you have something in your calendar to look forward to it really helps with like, you know, your mental health, keeping you going every day, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's that's my thing right now. That's like the one, that's the thing. Yeah, it's so fun. I so love it. I'm excited. Woohoo. Samesies. Be well, AG. Thank you. And you be well too. And thanks for the day off. I appreciate you and Mandy covering. Um, so shout out to, to both of you for that. I appreciate it. Of course, anytime. Uh, and uh, everyone else, please take care of uh, each other. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. 
Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>